<laughs> As we were eating dinner, I realized the causes and conditions were in statement. <laughs> I could no longer carry on a conversation. <laughs> I was frozen. <laughs> Last time we ever went out. She's like, it not, it's not like it has to be like Sex in the City column. She's like, but that, it's ironic that you loved that show so much, and then I'm suggesting that you do this. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, it's true. It could be fun. I need we'll to brush it's up on my writing skills. <laughs> okay. So, Drempa and Shishin. I love these words. Great. Yeah. Especially Shishin. Yeah. Yeah. Jump in and Shishin. Okay. And then these are just some tips. So, watchfulness, the mental alarm. When you lose your recollection of giving or emptiness or whatever you're focusing on, then the watchfulness in the back of your mind sounds an alarm. Attention, attention, you've lost the object of recollection and concentration. Hey, something, something's wrong here. What we're focusing on has left the building. So Shashin and watchfulness watches your, Shashin or watchfulness watches your thoughts, speech, and actions. And when Shashin sees you thinking, speaking, or doing something wrong, it blows the whistle, which is very useful to have. So we don't like dig ourselves into this big hole and then realize, oh my God, what did I just do? And like come to, you know, what's the word? We're like totally spaced out and then all of a sudden we wake up. Oh my God, I just did this terrible thing. Mm -hmm. Instead of having this alarm that's like, hey, hey, something's happening. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And Master Shanti Deva then gets into advice on how you should move through the day, um, which is very good to perfect the ability to watch yourself. What am I doing right now? What am I saying? What am I thinking? What's my intention? Just being able to pay attention. And it's really difficult. It's easy to keep track of other people's good or bad deeds and to judge them and notice, notice every tiny little thing that someone else is doing. But then to watch our own body, speech, and mind is very hard, which is really ironic because we're living our own, our own experience. So also that's showing that we have the ability to do it. We're just not doing it towards ourselves. Like we can notice every tiny little thing that someone else does and remember it too. But then with ourselves... I don't know what's happening. No clue. <laughs> I'm not responsible. <laughs> and then Master Shanti Deva gives us some clues about how to cultivate this or how to do this. He states that if there's too much sensory stimulation, it's not possible to keep your recollection and watchfulness. We have a choice. We can either retire to a monastery or a nunnery or move to the middle of nowhere. That's really an option if we can't handle all the stimulus in the world. Um, or we can practice some of these things. So some of these methods to help keep our mindfulness and tune out distraction and regulate our sense stimulation. And the first practice is keeping your eyes down and looking at the ground. So before we go into these we're not going to extreme, like extremes with all of these. Maybe just sometimes we're doing them. It doesn't mean that you have to do this all the time, walking around looking at the ground. But these are, these are ideas, so we can help kind of 
regulate ourselves so we're not overly stimulated and uh, you know just anxious and nervous all the time. The first one, keeping your eyes down, looking at the ground. Have you all practiced this? Maybe just in walking meditation or it really does it really does make a difference. And it, so if you're feeling overwhelmed or you can just tell your mind's kind of crazy and jumping all over the place, just walking, when you're walking, looking at the ground. It can just be for a period of time. It doesn't have to be for a week or a month or something like that. It can be for an hour or just you're walking to work or something like that. It's kind of the same when you come out of a deep meditation. It can be really jarring to look up and like look at someone right away. Mm. So looking down is a good way to do that too. Mm. It's kind of the same idea. And just on a side note, it's really interesting because you can learn a lot um, from people's eyes, like where are they looking all the time. You can tell um, you know, the things that they're interested in, what they want, so if you're looking out you're trying to be a bodhisattva and help other beings. You ask somebody what they want, they'll look at what they want usually. And so you can just give them that. And they can think, oh my gosh, you're, you're psychic and you just knew what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> or you can, you know, when people are talking, you can't ask someone a question. You can just hand them what you see them looking at. So it's, it's a really fun practice to do, noticing where people's eyes are going. That's cool. Mm -hmm. What if you're just uncomfortable and you're just looking around and you can't like look at the person in the eye and you're like... <laughs> For trying to tell what they want, you mean? Mm -hmm. Like if they're not looking. Oh, if they're not looking somewhere, then, you, then just ask, you can just ask them. But if you... Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah, but if you kind of just watch people, their eyes will go usually to what they want. Like if you're, say you're at a potluck or something, and someone comes up and you'll you see them looking at what you're in front of, then you kind of just like uh, move out of the way and switch spaces with them. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to say anything. You're just like, it's un, it can be unspoken, which is kind of a nice way to do it too. So you're just like removing the obstacles to what the other person is wanting mm -hmm. or looking towards. And this looking down is a big practice for monks in Asia, but it's good for it's good for everybody at certain times. And really, this is what Geshe Michael talks about at this point in the class. You've we've seen everything that there is to see. We don't there's not like a new coffee shop or a new brewery. We have a million of them in this town. Like you, there's not going to be something brand new that you haven't seen before. We've seen everything. So it's just this extra stimulus coming in all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's not that you have to cut it out completely, but um, experimenting with this practice and then see how it affects your mind. So do an experiment for a week or two days or even just a day, assuming you have Drempa and you can remember. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so see how it affects your mind. Looking around at all of these things, it just crowds up the mind and then you lose your drumpa. And these things will disturb you from reaching your ultimate goal, which is going to be, we're going to get there through meditation. So we have to be able to settle our mind enough. And we can do that in living in a busy world, um, just by taking retreats and longer retreats. But we need to figure out a way to regulate our mind and um, take care of our awareness, take care of our quality of our attention. And it's the same with sounds, which I think this one is a little bit difficult, especially if you really like listening to music. If you listen to songs all the time, it'll affect your, your practice. And is there a way where you can listen to devotional music and it's different? I'm sure there is. Have I figured it out? No. So for me, I can tell 
energetically when I'm listening to a lot of music, my energy goes kind of crazy. It gets um, kind of harder to sleep. It's just, it's not like calming the mind. It's not calming the focus. And I do think, I mean, I haven't gotten there, but I believe at a certain point there is a skill where you can keep that calm focus and be around the busyness. But until then, there's these practices. Master Shanti Deva says, just keep your eyes down. Anything that you're going to see, you're going to forget, maybe even by the time you get to where you're going anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and so our eye real estate is really precious. Use the eyes for something important. Okay, so second, what do you do when you get tired? That's number two. You look up to refresh your mind if you get bored um, or tired, but don't get distracted. Then number three, if you meet someone you know, look at them and greet them normally. Don't be a weirdo or unfriendly, and then you go on your way. It's funny because I take things literally, so these are necessary for me, all these little tips. But it seems obvious. When you, you meet someone that you know, you're not going to ignore them. <laughs> so you're not going to act weird. And then number four, when you look up to refresh yourself, this is a safety, safety warning. Then <laughs> you check for cars, <laughs> telephone poles, etc. And be careful to not physically endanger yourself by looking down. Which you see people do, I think, with their cell phones, for sure. Mm -hmm. Crossing the street and not even looking yeah. to see if cars are coming. Just on their phone, just walking across the street. <laughs> or people, I mean, these terrible stories of people who are taking selfies and they, they fall die. off a mountain or something. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's happening? Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's survival of the fittest there. <laughs> it's like a thing. Like, like a it is. Oh my god. That's that's too much. Because they're they're turning in their back, they're turning around on the edge of the mountain to take Uh-huh. Um, you have you have like no control almost of what your body's doing when you're doing yeah. you know like right? Oh my god. They're like lemons. What is that? Oh, do they? Is that an animal? Yeah, it's. Oh, God. <laughs> it might be. So, yeah, so this is good for modern day society. It is necessary warning, apparently. I, I knew somebody who was very intent on practicing mindfulness. This was at a retreat, and he asked the teacher, he said, he was talking about mindfulness. He's like, how do I practice mindfulness when I'm driving? He's like, because he was doing, and he's like, in a really deep state. And he got into a wreck once. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh my God. Not like that. Oh, God. <laughs> this is real. Okay? It is. Very yeah, it totally is. Yeah. Because I would, I would do some of these things. I'd be like, no, I'm, I'm practicing watchfulness. I'm looking down. Or, you know, being mindful. And... I see someone I know, nope, I'm practicing this. I can't, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. So, no, this is saying don't do that. But I'm okay. saying I would do that. I would probably do that. Yeah. 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 Or like. And then I'd be like, but what if I run into something? So then there's number four. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> or how about what? What if you, I mean, yeah. You mean if they're crossing your path, but if they're like, oh, you see them over. I think I'd say whatever's like norm whatever would be normal behavior if you like for me sometimes I really don't feel like talking to people so I just kind of like walk by or like I'll I'll see them down there but I won't go out of my way um I think other people do that too but um but if you see someone and like they see you, then yeah, you, you talk to them. I find myself going the other direction. So, I mean, if it's someone I don't want to. But well, that's that's special. 
That's different, right? Yeah. I know. Me, t- me too, but this is, we're talking about being a bodhisattva, so we're learning, we're not thinking, or we're trying to think, how can I serve other people? And so doing things that would be good for them or um, that are going to bring them happiness or joy, like, okay, can I go and say hi to this person personally that I don't feel like talking to? And um, maybe it'll bring some happiness to their life. Or, you know, like all the bodhisattva vows where, um, like the one where you're failing to accept an invitation out of anger or laziness. So no longer can we just say no to an invitation because we're lazy or we're pissed at the person. Because we're caring for all beings. That's like they're training us to open up our heart. We don't want to usually, but it's like pushing us. So then is the only valid reason that you couldn't go is if you, if you had <laughs> your plans. Like, if cool? there are, no, there's a bunch of exceptions. Like if it would be, I don't know if I can remember all of them off the top of my head. But for example, like if it would cause some sort of problem if you went, um, if you have other plans, if you don't feel well, honestly, you're not just like, oh, I'm a little sleepy and I feel like sleeping. But you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm sick. Um, I can't remember the other ones. But yeah, like reasonable ones. But not just like, I don't feel like hanging out with you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> or like, no, I'm, I'm angry at you for things that you've done and I'm not going. <laughs> it's not it's it's not easy for any of us that's why it's one of the vows because it's something that that we naturally want to do no I don't want to go I don't want to hang out with you and it's trying to push us to do the opposite um, okay now we're going to go over the order of the six perfections a little bit And then we're going to get to the idea of freezing, which we mentioned um, in the title. Now, as you go through the six perfections, each perfection is more serious and important than the prior one. Does anyone know the six perfections? There's only a few of them. Okay, so the first one we talked about kind of a bunch doing the practice during the day where you're going to, throughout the day you're going to remember. That would be, that's the sixth one, wisdom. So there's, there's ethics, there's giving, patience, which means not getting angry when the time is right to get angry. Joyous effort, concentration, or meditation, and then wisdom. And we'll be going over these a bunch the next few courses, so you'll get them down if you're, if you're here for those. Um, wisdom is the highest perfection, and then giving is the lowest. So giving is the first, and then ethics. And then the bodhisattva levels, or the bhumis, are ordered according to the increasing sophistication of the six perfections. And we haven't studied the Bodhisattva Bhumis that much, actually. Um, for example, level two is more important and difficult than level one. On the first Bodhisattva level, you've already seen emptiness directly with Bodhicitta in your heart when you've done that. And even though you have all six perfections on the first Bodhisattva level, you're concentrating on perfecting giving. So that's the first bodhisattva level. And then you get really, really powerful at the practice of giving in that level. On the second level, you're still practicing all six perfections, but you get really good at living an ethical life. And when you're practicing the six perfections, First, you'd, you'd want to start with the first one, giving, and get really good at that one. And then focus 
um, on two, and then three, four, five, six, on all of them going up. Generally accomplishing the perfections one at a time is the proper order. So first you get really good at number one, then you focus on two, then on three, etc., etc. And we're not, we're not going to go into this too much here, but we will in the future. Um, one perfection also leads to the next. So when, when you're giving, you're not as concerned with possessions and you're not as attached to things. And then this attitude naturally leads you to leading an ethical way of life. So you're not um, going against codes of morality to get things that you want. If you're not too attached to the material objects and worried about keeping them, then it's really a lot easier to keep your morality. So you wouldn't be harming others to get something or lying, etc., etc. And then an ethical way of life includes restraining yourself from negative actions, which would naturally lead you to the next perfection of not getting angry or patience. From what, the way Geshe Michael translates, he said that, he says that patience, we've gone over this in this course too, isn't a great translation because it implies, um, patience implies I can sit and wait in the doctor's office or something like that. Mm. When really it's not getting angry. When the time is perfectly right for you to completely fly off the handle, you don't do it. Mm. Way harder than patience implies oh, I can like stand here and wait for the bus or I can wait for my turn in line or something. Like it's just kind of like whatever, who cares, you know? But not getting angry when the time's right, that is, that's really powerful. That's hard. And then learning, learning to restrain yourself and to fight and struggle with your negativity. It's really hard, but it sets the stage to be happy when you do good things, which is the fourth perfection of joyous effort. And if you have joyous effort, then you're going to be doing good things day and night because joyous effort is joy in doing good. Mm. So you're going to be doing that. And you'll focus only on doing that. And then the focus of doing these good things in your life, you'll have clear focus on that, which naturally leads to concentration or meditation, which is the fifth perfection. And you have to be in deep meditation to see emptiness directly, which is the ultimate form of the sixth perfection. It's really amazing how they flow and, and work together. Okay, now we're going to talk about what to do when you catch yourself in a misdeed. Situations in which you should freeze. <laughs> so say, shing... Which is stay like a piece of wood or freeze. Mm. This is probably the thing I remember most from Ashanti Deva is to stay like a piece of wood. Because it's it's such a great like visual in the mind. It just sticks there. Um, so when you catch yourself in a misdeed, you stop midstream. It's a really good sign if you start half completing your sentences. So you're halfway through the sentence and you're like, oh God. <laughs> and you just stop. <laughs> Basically, when any primary or secondary mental affliction arises, you catch yourself and you cut it off. Remember we were talking about how you're going to war against the mental afflictions. You're destroying them. They're not your friends. They're not helping you. They're destroying your life and have been for countless eons. So we're, we're going to war. I think you'd be really good at an alien problem. <laughs> <laughs> what, what happens, okay... Sometimes it's usually, I feel like, the positions I've been in, I can walk away, I can tell them, like, I need to 
go, <laughs> I'm just going to take a break or whatever. You mean when you see yourself doing something yeah. bad? Yeah. But you know when you're at work and you're like, you can't just freeze and then be like, uh, you can. I'm so worked up today. God, oh. I was so angry. Like just. Like you felt trapped, or you like you couldn't go anywhere. Yeah, eventually I said to my coworker, "Can you deal with this? Because I can't. I have to go, like leave." Well, that's good. I mean, you're getting out of the you're getting out of the situation that way. Can you say? Um, can you go to the bathroom? That's what I. Geshe okay. Michael always says. Like those are the magic words. I have to go to the bathroom. Nobody questions that. You're in the that. middle of a fight. Like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Might not really fly at that point. <laughs> or, or you could. Well, no, that'd be lying. But I gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. You have to go to the bathroom and cool off. Or just like a piece of wood. Yeah. <laughs> Try it. <laughs> Try it, Cheryl. You can. It doesn't matter if people think you're weird. You have to, you have to position your body like a piece of wood. Yeah. I think, in my experience, when I stop mid-sentence, I'll usually just try to, like, it, it doesn't take very long. I'll just try to continue on with something else, like it never happened. Of course, everyone knows it did, and they're like, you just switch mid-sentence, but no one ever says anything. No one ever says anything when, when I've done that. When I, like, stop mid-sentence, and then I go somewhere else, no one's like, oh, but what were you going to say before? I've never had anyone do that. Try it and see how it works. Like, if you notice you're doing it, or, like, drop your, your scissors or something, or your comb or whatever you're using. <laughs> you don't have to throw it. <laughs> She's a hairdresser. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's why you got the good hair. Yeah. <laughs> I just, God, some people, like, I usually am pretty good. I mean, it, yeah, it happens to all of us. Is, is the teaching in this, I mean, I, um, is it like, you know, I've heard, for example, the um, the precepts or the vows, like, described mm -hmm. as, like, you take it on to try it, you know? Like, it, it's not something you're bound to, but it's something you're putting on, you know, to to try to live like that, you know? And is it is this, you know, can you work? Because there are times in our life, before we become a Buddha, that it is going to Oh, yeah. And we have to respond, you know, because that's honest, you know. In some ways, it's where we are, I think. Yeah. Because um, a Buddha would be able to neutralize it, you know, in this moment, with drop, you know. But we, you know, maybe have to deal with our mind, you know, in such a strong way. But I don't know this right answer, but I'm just saying, like. Yeah, totally. You know, We're going to. situations where, we, where you are is where you are sometimes. I think. Right. Which, so number one, which is why there's purification. So we can go back and purify anything. Because, like we talked about earlier this course, we can't stop ourselves from doing bad deeds. We can't, or we would have. Yeah. So we're, we're going to keep doing them, so that's why there's purification. But then as, um, but so spiritual... Action, that's, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So spiritual um, practice, we have to have a high tolerance for paradox because mm -hmm. we're holding ourselves to these standards. I'm going to do this. Yeah. On one hand, I'm going to keep these vows and I'm going to do it. I'm reaching Buddhahood, which we are going to. And then at the same time, we are where we are, where, where we are and we're going to make mistakes too. And so we're like, that's when we have the four powers. Oh no. Dang, I just planted the seed that's going to come back and bite me. I wish I hadn't. And we go through the, the four powers. So we're working with both. Like, we know when we're taking the vows. Yeah. 
we're not going to keep them perfectly, yeah, and we wouldn't need to take them if we kept them perfectly, yeah. too. So they're like, they're training us to be Buddhas. That's what, like, they're, um, it's like the advice of a holy being in our ear all the time, mm-hmm. guiding us, like, this is, this is how to act. Because we don't know, otherwise we would. Yeah, like remembering what it would be if we had realized that fully. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the vows, how I've heard them described, that's the most helpful. Um, I can't remember the exact words, which were probably more powerful, um, are from Kesha Michael, where they're like, they're giving you wings. Mm-hmm. They're setting you free. It, they're nothing that's tying you down. It's like, um, it's this ticket to freedom from unhappiness and sadness. Mm-hmm. That's what they are. And we, when we hear vows, and in our culture, we think, oh, there's a lot of good things I can't do now, or, you know, like, I have to miss out. But it's not that. It's, it's ways that enlightened beings have seen that we're harming ourselves, and they're, like, giving us a guide. So try doing this instead. Mm-hmm. That's, how, that's how I've heard it, where it's most helpful for me. Yeah. Okay, Master Shantideva gives examples of situations in which um, bad deeds are likely to occur. Okay, so number one, say chakpa. 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 Which is liking something ignorantly. And ignorantly means you misunderstand its nature. And by doing that, you would do something unethical to get it. You would harm someone else. You would harm yourself. Number two, say troa. 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 Which is disliking things ignorantly. Disliking something to the point where you'd be willing to do something non-virtuous to avoid it. And I thought, I have an example of this one that I did recently. I work with this guy, and he came up. Okay, it was pouring rain outside. It was like the end of the day. Most of the rest of the support staff was gone. There was just two of us. And he came up with this package that he wanted to have FedExed. And um, he asked if one of the seasonal clerks were still, were still in the office, which is like the student assistant's. And they weren't, and my coworker said, um, no, they're not here. And I said, I think uh, FedEx cutoff is 3.30. And, I, and afterwards, I felt really bad. He's like, okay, I'll, I'll run it out to the little drop box myself. And he got like soaking wet, and he came back, and I was like, oh, I should have volunteered to do that. And I automatically completely lied. I don't even think the cutoff is 3.30. It's just like, I didn't even think about it. It just like came out. And I was like, I don't want to do this, so I'm saying. But so I lied. And what is, what is that doing? It's planting some negativity in the future that I'm going to have to experience that's going to be crappy. It felt crappy when I realized what I'd done. And I don't think it felt good to him either. So it was like just this overall crap situation. When I could have, if I had been able to, which I, I wasn't able to, otherwise I would have. But if I had been able to, I could have avoided it and just said, I'll take it for you. And then like, so what? I get wet. I have an umbrella. You know, like big deal. But I think I'm ignorantly disliking this thing. I think that helping this person, when I've said I'm going to be a bodhisattva, I'm going to reach full awakening for the benefit of every living being, but not this guy who's asking me to go out in the rain. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) But I was so shocked. I was like, oh my God, I totally just lied. Like just automatically lied. I mean, there had to have been some little thought in there for it to come out, but. So that would be um, disliking something to the point where you would do something non-virtuous to avoid it. I know. It's, I mean, it's embarrassing. We're at... Anyways. <laughs> Number three, say Nagyal. 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 
which is conceit, where you feel superior to others. And I, I see this one in myself when I... So maybe we all know people who seem to always have difficulties come up in their life of a certain type. So when I see people like this, usually I judge them and I think, oh my God, this is happening to you again. Like, what is wrong with you? So I'm thinking, I'm feeling superior to them. That doesn't happen to me. So why doesn't it happen to me? Because I don't have the karmic seeds for it to happen. If I did, it would be happening. Whether I wanted it to or not, just like with this, this friend I'm seeing. They're not choosing to have this crappy thing come up over and over. It's not something they're doing. It's seeds from the past that are coming up. That they're forced to, to experience. Like there's things in my life, you know, everything. But that I'm forced to experience that I don't like to. So, I'm looking down on this person and I'm feeling superior to them which are planting some crappy seeds for me in the future. doesn't feel good in the present. And my friends can probably tell that I'm judging them too. So it's not happy for them. So that would be an example of that one. Number five, say Sangdruwa. 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 Which is criticizing when you want to publicize others' faults or mistakes. I used to do this a lot, oh. seriously, embarrassingly. Like people that I was close to, it was. I realized later it was kind of like my way of like showing off that I knew them really well. But I would out them for things that were painful to them. <laughs> yeah. American friend does this. Yeah. I know. I'm glad. I'm glad. I don't know how I stopped, but I'm glad I did. I mean, I hope, I think I stopped unless people just haven't told me. (laughs) But you could think of this as, um, you know, like every news story, all of reality TV, all that stuff, all the gossip mags. Uh, Number six, say yogyu. 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 Which is deceiving others when you want to put on a facade or hide your bad qualities. And this isn't the this isn't the same as like you want to keep the bad qualities going. That wouldn't be that wouldn't be in here. It's not that it's not that you just want to go along with the bad qualities, but like we talked about last week, a, a Buddhist or a spiritual practitioner should be like an open book, completely owning the challenges that you have, letting them be known, you know, if it's appropriate, and working with them. Not trying to act like you're perfect and, um, you know, you're already enlightened. And like we talked about last week, everybody can see our faults anyways. Everybody knows. Even if we're trying to hide them, they know what they are. <laughs> we're not hiding them anyway, so... <laughs> it's useless to even try. <laughs> you know when someone... This, I'm, I'm thinking of like a specific conversation, but when someone says, you know what I realize? I'm really selfish. And you're like, I've known this for 20 years. <laughs> like, are you serious? You're like, really? <laughs> Get out of here. Why didn't you come it's not a surprise whenever someone tells us we're like I know yeah, yeah. I always wish that people would just tell me <laughs> why didn't you tell me that like 10 years ago because it makes a difference that you know that they know just because then I would be able to have seen it in myself sooner oh oh about yourself had oh. a gentle relationship I know yeah sister would point that out to me so I would know when I was very young and I was like, I don't want to hear you. I want to keep on going. <laughs> I yeah. was like, I don't care. This is who I am. <laughs> this is a really interesting one, though. Because 
just a problem, like, um, it, just in general, because of, um, you know, when you're talking to, all this has to do with a lot of social context, you know, mm-hmm. like, like, even when I think about conceit, um, it's like, um, in the CEB training, in the emotion training, yeah, like, that's one of the basic emotions that we have, um, in our spectrum, and like, for example, criticizing, according to evolutionary science, is something that we develop to do as humans, which is weird. Like, socializing and gossiping is a better Yeah. And, and then when we realize, or we, we practice, and these things start to untangle a little bit more, like your attachment to your own image and what this is. And I have, you know, arrogance, but you see it then fall away, you know. Mm-hmm. This quality that was so tangible at one point, or hard, it's, things aren't hard, you know, this way. And then you're with others, you know, and, and you want to say something like, man, I am behaving with a lot of this quality today. But, you know, after practicing, maybe it's not something you hold hard. But in our society, you say something like that, and immediately it's terrible. You know, oh, that's, they, they're, they're angry, or they have jealousy. They're, this happened to me and my partner. It was coming up once jealousy was coming up. I said, I'm having jealousy right now. You have jealousy? Oh, my God. What's wrong with you? Like, <laughs> really? For, and I think, I noticed this with relationships, with friendships, that really happens. You know, in Dharma communities, it's very different. You know, other it people is. practicing. And that's very difficult because it shuts you, you, I mean, at least for me, I feel like, oh, I can't say this. Or it goes internal again. We feel the need to deceive others and ourselves, you know? This is hard. Yeah, it is. It is, it's hard. And it's, I see people who navigate it really well, too. Yeah. I, I don't think I'm one down. of those people. <laughs> yeah. um, like, well, I'm thinking of Sunil, or... Oh, yeah. Do you know Brandy? Yeah, I, Brandy. I think Brandy does a really good job, too, with that. Like, she's just so open and honest and, like, grounded all the time. And so she says these things, but they, they're accepted. Where, you know, like... If she she was saying I'm feeling jealousy or something, the way she would word it, it would be like accepted. If I said it, <laughs> it's help. I think it's helpful being around people like that. But I agree with you. It's it's a hard thing, because mm-hmm. not everybody speaks the same language, you know. Or hears the same. Because when I hear I'm having jealousy, I'm like, oh, it's like this temporary thing. Oh, you're having this feeling right now. That's or, why I say it like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I say that. it like that. I love that. And I like hear that so clearly. And, but sometimes you just hear things differently. Because you've had a lot of training with it. Yeah. Or maybe people take it personally, like, oh gosh, you're jealous of me. Or like, I did something wrong. Or, well, you don't, that means you don't this means this, this. I mean, the whole aggregate and the other people around us gets triggered. And yeah, I mean, the question, if we're truly trained compassion and we really realize it, then we know how to phrase things and mm-hmm. say it even in a way yeah. that's right for the world around you. You know, that's... Which is amazing. That's, that's I mean, that's being a Buddha, really. <laughs> never, you never question, what do I do? What do I say? There's nothing like that. Everything comes out flows like perfectly mm-hmm. <laughs> one day it will <laughs> um, okay seven say doc two doc two which is praising yourself eight say shen mu shen mu putting down others and then nine Shewa. Shewa. I think it's maybe actually Shewa. 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 Um, scolding or yelling at someone. I definitely have experience with this one. I think doing it to other people because I've seen it coming up kind of recently, mm-hmm. and it's so. If you think about, if you can think of a time when someone was scolding you or yelling at you, it's like so uncomfortable and it was recently I think it was my mom was saying something to me and I felt that way I don't usually 
it just happens to be the example of my mom, but she doesn't usually do that. Um, but I felt just like, I don't know. Do you, can you think of a time when you were scolded or yelled at? For sure. And it's just like, you just don't even know what to say because it feels so awkward. I can't, I don't even know if I can really explain it, but I know I've done this to other people for sure. Like, no, you need to be doing this. Why are you, you know, why are you behaving this way? It's just like, I don't, I don't even know what the word is to describe the feeling. It's like, um, what, when you're doing it's it kind of uncomfortable person? when someone's doing it to you. Oh, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's no words to come back with. You're just like, okay. <laughs> I really don't like getting in trouble for anything though either I always like um, doing the right thing so it might be like more extreme mm-hmm. in my case if I'm being scolded or yelled at because I don't like that at all I think there's some personalities where you're like people are like whatever that's your, that's your opinion it doesn't affect me I'm not like that. <laughs> I think my brother's a little more like that. I always care. Sometimes I freeze and I'm like, I just in my mind, I'm like, how are you so upset? Like, this is not a big deal. I don't understand. Like resentment. I was talking to someone about they were like, I don't hold resentments, really. Like, I just let it roll off. And they have like two major ones. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you are the master of holding her yeah, I, like I was like, I, I was trying to like, I didn't believe her, but then I was trying to believe her, but then I was like, are you sure there isn't this small amount? Like, <laughs> Have you really looked at this? <laughs> one of the secondary mental afflictions that we talked about where like you have is it really it's like where you have these negativities but you think they're no it's not that one where you have the negativity but you think it's great you have a completely wrong view but you think Uh, it's awesome (laughs) you think it's the best it doesn't quite fit is it what It's not, I mean, I don't think it's likely until we're really far along the path. Like, we have all of the afflictions to one degree or another. It's like, it's part of being born as a human being. So some people maybe think they don't, Mm -hmm. but they do. Especially the main ones, we have them all the time. I think sometimes people just label them something else. Like, no, I'm, yeah. I'm not resentful. I'm just unhappy with that person. Or, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm a person that if somebody scolds me, I get resentful of them. I think an astrologer oh. told me it's because of my Virgo. You're a Virgo? I'm a Taurus of Virgo. So that's oh, okay, okay. It's your Virgo. And I was like, oh. And so I might... I, I do a practice where, like, I will make myself remember all the people that I may have that resentment for. I mean, you can some traditions like put that person in front of you, for example. But you know, you know, to see if I can remember to soften around them or help send loving kindness or something like that. But mm-hmm. I'm a person who gets totally resentful, you know, and it is, yeah. it is like <laughs> holding coals in your body. You know, it's like not a great thing. <laughs> this Lama Marut, have you, do you know yeah. him? Lama Marut? No. He, he's really funny. He, he used to be a monk. He's a great teacher. And he talks about how like our suffering is like this burning coal that we're holding. And it's burning us. It's painful. And someone's like, let go of the coal. And you're like, no, it's my coal. I'm holding it. <laughs> I don't want to let it go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That's how he talks about it, but that, it reminded me. I would agree with that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And you're like, it hurts. It hurts so bad. Well, let it go. No. <laughs> oh, we're, okay. We're two minutes over. So let's just end with prayers. Sounds good. We'll just, um, so I think the closing prayers are on the back of that one. It's Sashi and then Gewa is the second verse. Okay, so we do each one once. So we'll just just sit for a minute and relax everything. Feel like you're absorbing and basking in all the wisdom, the whole lineage, the teachings are sinking in, softening your heart. Closing um, and dedicating all the merit. Sashi Puki Chukshing Nitok Chang Rirab Linshin Yende Gampadi Sange Shingdu Likte Wargi Jokun Namdak Shingla Chuparsho Idam Guru Radna Mandalakam Niryatayami Gewadi Gewokun Sunam Yeshe Sok Sok Shing Sunam Yeshe Lejungwe Dampakuni Toparsho